Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you consumable Dynasty perspective. He's Skyler. I'm Wyatt. Tonight, we are joined by Rich Cooling at Dynasty Island on Twitter from DLF and Fantasy Sanctuary. Tonight, we're going to be talking about some of the elite of the elite assets in Dynasty football, so stay tuned. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I, like, I'm, I'm in for death, taxes, and the 2022 water receiver class. I like what you were saying, Skylar. No player is completely untouchable. I think you guys really, I had not, I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. Rich, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much for having me on. It's, uh, yeah, it's great to jump on with you both. Yeah, I appreciate you being here. Uh, one of my favorite people to chat with on Twitter. Uh, always down to help anybody and everybody on Twitter and always very nice doing so. I, I, I really appreciate people like yourself. Well, I, I greatly appreciate it. I try, I try to keep up the uh, the British gentleman uh, <laughs> kind of stereotypes. Yeah, I'll, I'll continue to stick to that. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be talking about some football. Before we do that, we always have a little bit of fun with our guests and give them a surprise question. Are you ready for yours? I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Okay. I want to know if you could pick any NFL franchise to pick up and move on over across the pond, who would it be? So, so the obvious answer, I think, is Jackson Jaguars because they're kind of already kind of here. But yeah, they kind of started it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm I'm a, I'm a long-standing Jets fan. I feel like they're kind of cursed. I feel like they're, they're always going to be the little brother in New York. So, so yeah, let's let's bring the Jets over to London, and uh, and they can hopefully have a, a new lease of life, shall we say? Yeah, I, I was curious about this because I wanted to know if you were actually going to pick your favorite team or not. Because I think there's like some possible disadvantages for there being one team on the other side, right? Like, how does scheduling work for them? Um, they're obviously traveling a lot more than any other team. Like, do they, are there any side effects to that, that that hurts the team? So I was curious. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm someone that's been long against London getting a franchise. I think. I love the idea of us having, you know, four, five, six games a year, but I just think logistically it's never going to work. You know, you look at, yeah. without wanting to get too far into it, things like taxes and stuff like that. Like, how would that work? Our taxation so much higher than over in the States. Mm -hmm. No free agent's going to want to sign for a team that's that's based over there. So, yeah, I, I just don't see a world where it ever works. Um, but I'd love to, you know, keep sending us... You, you're random games. We'll take all the rubbish games each year. It's uh, it's still a great experience for us. A bit of a tangent, but I think like if they were ever to do it, they would have to basically create a whole division on that side, and that way teams can kind of travel like as a division over there at one time, play all the team. Like if they can work out something like that, maybe. But I think you're right that it is like it'd be tough to have one over there. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's ways around it, and I'm sure that, that was Roger Goodell's last thing was he was talking about having a, an international division, whether it was, you know, a couple in UK, a couple in Germany, Mexico, yeah. Canada, that kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some football with some players. We are going to start off with CD Lamb. Dynasty League Football July start BDP was wide receiver three. He was the wide receiver eight last year and half point PPR points per game with fourteen point six. He's someone who. We really love the prospect coming into the NFL. The situation was a little bit shaky at start just because there was a lot of competition there, but he's continued to grow year after year after year, better, getting better targets, catches, yards, touchdowns, fantasy points. Everything has improved year over year. And it's easy to be really excited about uh, C.D. Lamb coming into this season. 
But the one thing that kind of hurts him, I think, is that the Kellen, Kellen Moore leaving to go play for the Chargers after. I don't know why Dallas felt the need to get rid of Kellen Moore. I don't think any of us in the fantasy space really understand it because we love Kellen Moore. Um, but I still like C.D. Lamb. But this wide receiver three price tag, like outside of a startup where you, you know, kind of choose when you pick him. He's not someone I'm really trying to go out and acquire necessarily. Are you, are you rich? I think it's difficult because I think when you're talking about elite prospects and elite players in dynasty, it's difficult to go and acquire them in, in terms of a pure draft pick trade. Like it's when you're talking about the top two, three assets across any position, it's difficult to go, right, I'm going to go and pay three first for CD lamb, which is kind of his, his net worth as such. But can I pivot from, you know, can I play Stefan Diggs and a potentially a, a late first or maybe two seconds to go and get CD Lamb? Absolutely. That's that's the kind of move that I'd probably be going to do. For me, I'm I'm a huge CD Lamb guy. I've I've kind of feel like I've been banging the drum for him for the last few years. I think he's a great prospect. He's he's a you know in a really interesting scenario in Dallas where he gets to play out of that slot he has that you know ability for them to basically scheme him open and that's that big question that you touched on going into the new year isn't it is Kellen Moore inventive play caller a guy that would scheme guys open to Mike McCarthy who you know for all the jokes and slander that Mike McCarthy gets he's still a good offensive mind but it's a very different scheme in terms of he is more simplified he is more we are going to run these plays and i'm going to rely on my players to get open rather than i'm going to run this really complex tree and i'm going to scheme guys open so i hope that that's only a good thing for cd lamb because i think he's the good enough player that he's going to be able to get open anyway and he doesn't rely on the scheme to get open as such so i think that we could see an increase in target share and increase in target volume overall but yeah, it's 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 difficult whenever there's a big change on a, on a, a high price player, isn't there? I like what you mentioned about like maybe tearing up slightly from like Stefan Diggs to him, where you can count on like a similar production, but you're getting the better asset, more long term asset you can count on to retain value and being able to do it without adding too much to get there. It seems like a really solid move to me. Um, Skylar, what do you think? Yeah, one really nice thing with with CD Lamb is that he's so good with the football in his hands, so dynamic with the football in his hands. He's always been around like 13 yards per reception as a player. So even if the volume you were to think it'd go down a little bit, there's still a lot of safety there. Last year, he finally broke out as a number one, had over 27% of the team targets. I really don't expect that to change all too much, right? The offense might be different. We might expect them to come down from like 66 plays a game to around 63 a game. Um, it's yet to be decided exactly how the rush splits are going to land based on just the personnel on that roster. But CeeDee Lamb is the one guy here, you know, alongside Tony Pollard, of course, in this offense where you can be just pretty darn confident what you're going to get, right? I think CeeDee Lamb, even at 25, 26% of the team target share, uh, based on, you know, what we were saying in terms of that offense in the beginning, um, would equate to around like 140 targets, keep his usual production with the ball in his hands. I mean, you have, you know, a thousand to 1300 yard type receiver with touchdown upside. Um, CeeDee Lamb is just as safe as they come. So as a player, I don't think there's any concerns with the new system just for anyone who who has that. And if someone in your league does, you know, of course, you. I think the lesson here that I want to do with CeeDee Lamb is just what he was as a prospect, 
what he had shown us between year one into year two. If we look back just a year ago, if you guys recall, as the season was approaching, the market actually soured on City a lot. And then when Dak got hurt, he was falling outside the top 10 in market and people were just really losing their mind. And he even performed with Cooper Rush. He really didn't even drop off all too much like people were expecting. And I think that's just a really interesting point to take away here is instead of, of course, like Rich was saying, it's so hard to just go out and say, buy this player when they're an elite asset. It's really hard to do unless if you have a manager who is sour or there's something like Dak's injury last year who catapulted CD into a much more affordable price range. And that's that's something you got to keep an eye out for, right? If we really like, uh, you know, a player like, it's tough to use maybe Garrett Wilson in a similar situation. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt week three. And now we're looking at, you know, the backups coming into play there and everyone's freaking out. You know, if, if Garrett Wilson were to drop five spots. That would be the opportunity to go in and buy at a much better price. Um, Rich, to finish up on CeeDee Lamb, let's say. You roster CD Lamb, and someone's coming to you to try and buy them, buy them off of you. What are what do you need to actually part ways with CD Lamb? I, I need an overpay. Um, if you know, I've, I'm I'm lucky enough to have a lot of CD Lamb shares, so this I'm probably find myself in this situation. I think as a rough price, I I, I need more than three firsts in a, a superflex league for me to make that move. I need to move to another young ascending wide receiver plus an asset. So whether that's Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Rossin Brown, maybe drop down as far as like Drake London, Devonta Smith, T. Higgins, plus a significant asset. You know, I'd be I'd be needing at least a first on top of some Brown, Olave, Wilson, and I'd need more on top of London, Higgins, Smith to make that move. But to be honest, I, I, I sit here and I, I always preach that every player is always available at any point for trade. But it's hard to see myself in a scenario where I'm selling CD Lamb because no matter what situation my roster's in, he's a player I want to build around. With I'm a con contender, he's he's a guy that's, you know, a first-round pick in ADP of one QB leagues at the moment. He's a, um, you know, young, still on that rookie contract. He's tied to a quarterback long term like there's 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 nothing to be scared about nothing to be concerned about he's the type of player that because of what he's done so far in his career because of his age because of where he's at you know touch wood this never happens but if he goes out tomorrow and tears his ACL and he's completely gone for the 2023 season I still think he's a top eight dynasty wide receiver going into 2024 and it's like how many players can you say I'm going to remove their 2023 season and they're still an elite asset. And I think that CD Lamb's one of those. So why would I want to move off that unless I'm getting a significant overpay? Yeah, I agree. I think he is pretty insulated. And it's funny that you mentioned ACL because the next player we're talking about <laughs> did tear his ACL. Brees Hall, DLF's July start of ADP was RB4. He was RB7 last year and half PPR points per game with 15.1 in the games he played. But that's the issue, right, is that we only got to see less than half a season of Brees Hall, but it was looking so good while we got to see him. He never played above 69% of his snaps in any game. He only had three games in which he played over 51% of the snaps on his way to that points per game. Uh, and I think, like, there is real reason to believe that if that ACL never happened, 
Bijan Robinson is not the unanimous RB1 in Dynasty Fantasy Football. He may still be the RB1, but it would not be, yeah, it's Bijan. Like, there's a conversation. It, I wouldn't put it past anybody or, like, argue with anybody if they had Brees Hall. I might have Brees Hall as RB1 if he played the whole year. But this year, there's plenty of concern for him starting a little bit slow. The Jets have been linked to Dalvin Cook. Um, it wouldn't be surprised if they brought in another running back of some kind. They drafted Israel Abanda But Brees Hall on the field, if he's healthy, is super dynamic. We we saw it last year. I think like there has been moments of buy windows. RB4, I think, is mostly appropriate. Like I, I have him slightly higher, but I think that's still really close. It really depends on what the price is because I think with a player like Brees Hall, even though he's RB4 in this DLF starting PDP, the price can kind of vary uh, league to league. Skyler, how are we feeling? Yeah, um, this is a rare spot where I think RB4 is actually underpriced. Like I have an, a tier at the top of three players alongside B. John Robinson with Christian McCaffrey for a lot of reasons with how I like his contract and how he still has you know a ceiling that no other player I still I think in the league has. But with, with Brees Hall, I'm really struggling to put anyone else above him. I'll hear maybe an argument there for Jonathan Taylor, but I don't even love his current situation. Um, with Brees Hall, we were having a discussion in our Discord, which you can find at the top of the description, just the other day, where a manager was talking about just this, why he shouldn't even be in that top four. And he was pointing to, you know, significant injury, small sample size. They drafted another running back. They were looking to sign Dalvin Cook. And then you got all these other young players alongside McCaffrey and Bijan, like Gibbs, Taylor, ETN, and I walked down one by one. First off, the tear was very, the tear was very clean. You know, his recovery, it seemed very typical. You're going to ease in very slowly. There's a very large sample size of successful careers after ACL injuries at age 21. We forget just how young Brees Hall was coming into the league. Then the sample size, yes, it's just half a season, but not, but he's not an outlier, right? It's not like a player came in who's a third or fourth round pick and gave us six great games and then got hurt, right? He was a legitimately 95th plus percentile prospect. We're talking about a guy who had the collegiate production. He's got the BMI. He had 96th percentile 40-yard dash, 98th percentile speed score, 94th percentile burst score, the receiving ability. He's got literally checks every single box you could possibly want for a running back. So when that type of running back comes in and he gives us he was an rb1 until like the fantasy playoffs despite only playing seven games when a guy comes in in his fifth game and gives us a couple yards under 200 in a single game plus a touchdown i don't you can't point to that sample size as well we didn't get enough information we got vindicated on an elite prospect immediately transitioning uh and translating to nfl production so with that, and then also they drafted a running back. Israel Banaconda, as much as we loved him here, as much as we had him in our top five in this class for rookie running backs, fifth round draft capital threatening an elite RB is an absolute joke. Um, it, with with regards to like threatening his workload, I, I think that's asinine, honestly. And then them talking to Dalvin Cook and flirting with other running backs. To me, this all signals the fact they haven't signed Dalvin Cook, that Dalvin Cook wants to go somewhere where he's getting a decent paycheck and 200 rushing attempts, right? 200 opportunities. He wants to be very involved in an offense still. He still thinks he can contribute, and to be honest, he probably can. But with the Jets, they probably want to pay half of that, and they want a guy who's maybe going to get 100 opportunities because I still believe that Brees Hall down the stretch is the plan is for him to be the guy, kind of the do-it-all back. And it's not like they have poor compliments. Again, Israel Benacana, we saw it in the Hall of Fame game. You give him 
two yards on the outside and he's gone. No one's touching him. You know, he had that Virginia Tech game where he did it like six times and scored. That was, I put that on sometimes just to feel something. That performance was incredible. Um, you know, they still have receiving backs at the cable. They got Montgomery, they have Carter. It's not like they don't have other backs to kind of work in there and work around him. Of course, they could try to bring someone in to maybe be an upgrade to of Anaconda or Bam Knight or something of, of that like. Um, but I don't think that they need to bring in a player like Dalvin Cook for 200 attempts, which is probably why it hasn't happened yet. And then, I mean, the last thing I would say is just with putting Gibbs and even Bijan to an extent, which obviously Bijan, I think, is a different tiered prospect. Um, two rookies who haven't even played yet. And if you're pointing to sample size with Brees Hall as your main concern, well, these two players have literally zero sample size. So using that as a main argument against Brees Hall, I think is just rather hypocritical. And as well with the injury, I mean, you had a player like Travis Etienne who had an equally horrific injury as a rookie, and now he's still right back up there into people's top five to seven running backs. So, and Jonathan Taylor has come had, has had season ending injury. Christian McCaffrey's had season and injury. So every single player that people have pointed to as arguments to go over Brees Hall, they all carry similar things that you're pointing against Brees Hall. So I guess that's just uh, how I'll end this little diatribe, this little rant on Brees Hall is that I, I still see everything point to a player that I want on just about every single build because I still think he's going to have huge impact in this upcoming season as well as hopefully giving us at least two seasons after this where he is that RB1 type production and potentially even more. And, and the receiving work is really what puts it over the top for me. Yeah, and I'll add that if you're concerned about you know the first few games, maybe the first half of the season where maybe he's not helping you as much as you'd like, like... I wouldn't worry about it too much because for this season, what I'm worried about is Brees Hall carrying me down the stretch, which I think he will be as he gets healthier. Knowing what he can do could be even better than those seven games, you know, he played as a rookie in the back half of the season, really helping you win your championship. So if a buy window happens to open up in the beginning of the season because he's not quite what people expect, I'm jumping in immediately. Um, Rich, are you on the same wave wavelength as us or what do you think? Yeah, no, 100%. He's my dynasty RB2. I've got Bijan in a tier of his Love own. It. I've got Brees Hall in a tier of his own. Um, let, 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 let's let's walk through this, okay? Elite prospect. I've, I have my rookie model. He's, he's a 95th percentile prospect in that, which goes back to 2003. That's elite. Guys that produce that sort of prospect number produce incredibly well. Okay, ACLT. You said it's, it's a clean tear. He's a 90 plus percentile athlete the recovery rates on those guys are basically like like it never happened i've got very little concern training camp hype videos i absolutely hate them but where they're useful is guys coming back off injury we've already seen video of Brees hall cutting at full speed which you know that the jets are talking that he's going to be good to go for week one i've got very little concern about the injury I think the the talk of the Jets adding somebody, I'm viewing that as the Jets, for the first time in my fandom, are very serious about making deep playoff runs. They realise that they don't want to load up Brees Hall coming off an ACL and give him 300 touches in a year. And when it gets to, you know, December, January time, he's starting to wear down. I think they're viewing this as if we can bring a cheap veteran then great, let's add it to the room. We've got Bam Knight, who who flashed, but actually 
once teams started understanding what he did and and were scheming for him and and he's basically two yards a cloud of dust and tries to fall forward, it didn't really work. I love Abanakandia. I think he's a great fit for the outside zone scheme, but he is a specific type of back and he's not going to be able to carry workload all the time. I think he's a nice compliment. So, and I think Michael Carter, I hate to say it, but I think he's basically gone. I think reading the beat reporters stuff, I think I'd be sure I wouldn't be shocked if Michael Carter was cut by the Jets this year. I think that they're viewing it. If we can bring in Dalvin Cook, there's talk in the last couple of days about Ezekiel Elliott. I think if they're saying if we can bring them in as a cheap veteran, we can give them five, ten touches a game. It, it spells Brees Hall, and then you can use Brees Hall where Brees Hall is at his best. You know, you look at the numbers from last year. It's it's wild to me that people don't understand how good he was, but also how incredible the numbers were. You look at the target share, it's absolutely mind-blowing. You look at the, you know, targets per route, it's it's absolutely wild that this is a guy that was getting targeted on 38% of the routes that he ran. When he was on the field, the Jets wanted to get the ball in his hand. And that's a guy that I really want. We, we, we've we seen already through the seven games that he's played that he is fantasy dynamite. And that's a guy that I want to roster on my team. So if I can get any sort of injury dip in value when I'm not concerned that there's anything longevity about the injury, then yeah, I'm absolutely, because I think this is a guy that's going to be, you know, winning championships for you for the next two, three years. Yeah, I love it. Brees Hall, the moment he was gone on the field, he was the man. And if you do have any concerns about like early season and you just want reinforcement, there are cheap options out there. Like if you somebody watched that game, they got a taste of football, they got excited about Dorian Thompson Robs Dorian Thompson Robinson and their Thompson and they're a rebuilding type roster, right? And you can go toss a third round pick and DTR and go grab like a Samaj P Ryan, right? I mean, that's gonna be, I believe an early producer, somebody's going to be a top 24 running back for at least, I think the first month or two of the season. So there are ways, if you are nervous to go get cheap reinforcements alongside Brees Hall. Great point. All right. Last player of the day, AJ Brown, DLF July startup ADP was wide receiver four, wide receiver seven and a half PPR points per game in 2022 with 15. Finally got the full, A.J. Brown experience over an entire season last year with the Eagles, and it was a beautiful sight to see. If We kind of always knew that A.J. Brown was that dude, and a little bit of injuries while in Tennessee, a little bit of offense and the way the offense was ran kind of stopped us from getting the full-on A.J. Brown experience that we knew we could get, but we got it last year, and it was awesome. That There's reason to believe that we even could have gotten more, but Philadelphia was blowing teams out by so much, they actually just stopped you know, really going for it and stop passing and just ran the clock out in second halves of games sometimes. Uh, but a little note here is, you know, A.J. Brown is not alone in that passing game. Devonta Smith actually out-targeted A.J. Brown from week five on 109 to 108. With that said, A.J. Brown's still the better wide receiver out of the two, but I think it is worth noting that Devonta Smith is an alpha in his own right. Rich, how are we feeling about A.J. Brown? So I, I recently wrote an article about AJ Brown and I went into it kind of expecting myself to say, actually, 
I wonder if now's the time to kind of sell AJ Brown. We we sort of you you get to peak value, and that's at the point at which I'm starting to look to sell. And and the more I dived into it, the more I looked at the numbers. I was like, actually, I'm so wrong on this. This guy's going to be a stud for at least the next two three years. His value's insulated. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Why are you selling now? You know, get another year out of him, get another two years out of him, and then look to get out. You know, the contract's in place, the quarterback's in place. Yes, there's some target competition from Dallas Goddard and um, Devonta Smith, but that's it. There's, you know, the Eagles target running backs at one of the lowest rates in the league. There's no, I hate to say this, but DeAndre uh, Swift isn't going to suddenly become a 100-target guy in this offense. Like, there's no fourth target Quez Watkins or you know Olamadi Zacchaeus they're, they're not suddenly going to become super target hogs this is such a concentrated offense on those three targets that I think that they can all feast and also you look at AJ Brown he has been so efficient throughout his career on lesser target volume you look at him at the Titans and he was producing fantastic fancy outputs while seeing like under 100 targets in some of those years it's it's wild how good he's been in terms of the the reception rate but also that yards after the catch and and he can turn something into nothing so it's it's for me a guy much like the cd lamb conversation where we sort of go through these dynasty cycles where people get overhyped as they're young up and coming their price goes through the roof and then there's that like two, three year window where that's actually the sweet spot of where they're really producing. You kind of know what they are. They're safe. But people are already starting to get nervous. And I think AJ Brown's in that. He's on that second contract. People are, you know, we've seen him at, he was done wide receiver three, six months ago, and he's already dropped to four. I wouldn't be shocked if he started to creep down because people are looking for that next young thing. You know, if Garrett Wilson starts the season off hot, if Chris Olave starts the season off hot, both of them are probably going to jump him. But actually, AJ Brown is going to be a you know top five performer for the next two, three years at least. And, and that's got such incredible dynasty value. And yeah, his his market on the kind of consensus world will, will drop slightly. But I think in terms of his production, he's going nowhere for the next three years. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up Garrett Wilson because that was something I was going to say. This is similar to CeeDee Lamb like when we were talking about him and that it's hard to trade for a player like this, right? Um, you kind of want to do it on certain teams. But I think, like, if you're a competing team and you have Garrett Wilson, I like, how much do you have to add to get from Garrett, on to Garrett Wilson to get to A.J. Brown? Because I'm not sure it's that much. And I'm much more confident in what I'm going to get out of A.J. Brown this year than I am Garrett Wilson. We're all hoping that Garrett Wilson is that next person to really reach that elite status as a producer. But it still has to happen, right? We're still projecting that jump. Whereas AJ Brown gives us that right now. Like, I wonder how much the difference is to actually get to him. Um, Skylar, what do you think? Yeah, I would trade Garrett Wilson for AJ Brown. I think a lot of weeks that even gets done straight up, to be honest, I see Garrett Wilson going ahead of him routinely in, um, dynasty startups as well as you know we ran hundreds and hundreds of mocks in the off season through our discord you can find that in the description and routinely gary wilson going at the top of the second round which is where you see aj brown go so i think as a competitor you probably can get that done either with very very little or potentially even straight up i love what rich was saying about aj brown why are you selling now if we look back as far as two years ago why and i had aj brown 
for a spell as our wide receiver one in dynasty football because it was you look at how efficient he was with the Titans and we said well the second this guy gets a bump up into you know go from the low 20s up to 25% of a team's targets he's going to be a cheat code for fantasy football and we finally got that this year you know he's up to 27% of the team targets there in Philadelphia which is incredible it's always going to lead to elite production and now that we have it he's sliding down rankings i i don't really see the justification for that so i'm right there with you rich that i would be riding adrian brown out for a couple seasons i think it's a fantastic spot and even though you know demonte smith down the stretch of course you you were mentioning that he quote out targeted aj brown in games last year where aj brown i'm not even going to talk about raw targets but purely receptions he had six games with four or less receptions on a game two of them were his only two duds but the other four, where he had four, exactly four receptions, he gave you double-digit fantasy output on all of them. So this is a player where he can only he can get a few targets and still make big plays out of it, you know, one or two big plays out of it, or a touchdown. You know, he's one of their go-to guys into the red zone when Jalen Hurts isn't rushing it himself. I think A.J. Brown is just incredibly safe. And if you are worried about Dallas Goddard being healthy, potentially um, of all the games that they played together last year, where you had all of AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, uh, only, only four times did AJ Brown have under 25% of the team's targets in that game. And only once was it under 20%. And that game was 19%. So if you're worried about a healthy Dallas Goddard and a Devonta Smith coming in another year into the league, taking away from his overall target share, I, I don't really see that necessarily happening. As well as you just look at the team level for Philadelphia this year, their schedule is a lot different. The league didn't really do them many favors, and they could find themselves in a couple more close contests this year, right? So last year where they would try to run those out, they might be forced to pass the ball a little bit more this year and more overall team passing volume mixed with a safe team target share. It leads to very predictable and really safe production. So a healthy A.J. Brown is absolutely a stud, absolutely a top 10 wide receiver. And I think that's something that we can project for a few seasons. I want to shout out team member of JWB, Jake Perry, in the recent redraft ramp up show that we put out talking about our top 12 consensus wide receivers for, for 2023 for JWB, that AJ Brown only actually played 80, 86% of the snaps last year. Devonta Smith played 91.5% of the snaps. Kind of coinciding with what I was talking about in the introduction to AJ Brown, that late in games, A.J. Brown wasn't necessarily theirs. They just kind of ran out the clock. So there is still meat on the bone for A.J. Brown to do more than what he did last year because he wasn't even playing all the games. I think I I, I may have this stat wrong, so I, I, I don't want to quote it exactly, but I believe Jalen Hurts attempted the fewest pass attempts in the fourth quarter of any quarterback last year. I, like, I believe that's true. Even if it, it, like I don't know for sure, but that sounds absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> if, if if that you know if we're talking about more close games that's going to increase as you said Skylar more pass attempts it, it boosts everyone doesn't it yeah absolutely Rich this was awesome thank you very much for joining us on the show but before we got here let everyone know where to find you all of your content all the good things no thank you very much for having me it's um yeah it's, it's awesome jumping with you guys um you can find me on I'm on Twitter or X whatever we're calling it these days I'm, I'm at Dynasty Island um, you can check most of my work out over either at DLF or, or the Fancy Sanctuary, which is our YouTube channel. Um, yeah, there's loads of content going up there. Me and Tom have got plenty of shows coming this week as, as we ramp up to uh, to the real season. 
yeah, everyone out there, once you're done subscribing to our channel, head on over to Fantasy Sanctuary and subscribe to that channel because they're doing a lot of great work over there. Best Ball, Dynasty, a lot of different stuff, a lot of good stuff. As for us, you can find Skylar on Twitter at the FF Buffalo. You can find me at YB underscore FF. You can find JWB at JWB underscore FF. In the description of this video, Skylar already told you about our free Discord. We're running redraft mocks every single day to help you get ready for that. We've have a ton of dynasty mock draft data in there as well as our clips catalog that has every player we've ever talked about on our shows listed alphabetically and chronologically with hyperlinks to all of the clips of us talking about them. Lastly, underdog fantasy. If you're not playing best ball yet, you absolutely should be And the best place to do it is underdog fantasy where if you sign up with code JWB, you can get a first time deposit match up to hundred dollars. As I said earlier, like subscribe, follow all those things. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time.